What's up? How about them Buffalo Bills getting a new stadium this week? Let's go. Let's go. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. That's all right. That's my intro. Let's get into the Word of God. All right. Um, no, thanks for coming tonight, guys. It's going to be good. Um, anytime in the Word of God's a good time, right? Um, if you would, just go ahead and open up your Bibles to Romans 1. That's going to be our context for tonight, and that's kind of where we're going to focus our study. You know, and, and so um, it, I'm excited. I, I love studying out Ezekiel 33. I love the characteristics of a watchman. And so when Corey, myself, and Nick were talking and he presented this, it was, it was exciting and it was fun. And, uh, you know, I remember last time when um, Matt Brocker, who like 90% of you probably weren't even in here at that point, like when Matt was in here. Um, no, maybe not 90, maybe half. Okay, so this is a monologue. Um, I don't, people don't do this with Corey and Nick. Why is, I don't, maybe I'm just more friendly. I don't know. That's probably not it either. I don't know. Maybe, whatever. Um, I, I love the Watchmen. I love them. I think it's cool. I think the characteristics are cool. And, and I appreciate Corey taking the subject and breaking it down into like bite-sized chunks for us to digest really easy last week. Um, and it was good, and, and I've learned, you know, as I, I begin to study to teach, that a lot of information is sometimes not good. You know, it's hard to find, like, a direction, and I think he did a really good job of kind of honing in this idea of us being a watchman and how we can relate directly to them. Um, and, you know, I was actually, it's funny, like, I was talking to Kagan about that just Sunday, like, and I was, like, thinking it, and he was thinking it, and it, it was just weird. It was cool. Um, but thank you. It, it was awesome. And, and Ezekiel 33 can be one of those like life-changing chapters in the Bible. And I, I also think Romans 1 can be as well. You know, in, in the characteristics of a watchman can change your life if you allow them to. The choice is still yours, but it, it can be one of those chapters that changes the way you look around you, the way you live your everyday life. And, and so I would encourage you, you know, if, if you haven't studied it out, study it out. It, it's a good chapter in the Bible. It's a good way to relate to your Christian walk. And if you don't know how to do that, man, ask one of us. Man, studying the Bible as a whole will change your life way more than one chapter will. And so we want to encourage you guys, get in discipleship. Get with an older believer that can teach you how to study your Bible properly and, and rightly divide the Word of God. And last week, so we learned, right, that we have a sword and, and swords are really good at cutting things and separating and causing divisions, right? And Hebrews 4.12 tells us, For the word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit and of the joints and marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. And we learn there are differences in life, right? And, and these differences give us kind of some contrast as to what we're looking at, right? And it gives us focus on what our life needs to be focused on. Most of the time in, in a good way, sometimes not so much. And I, I thought about like binoculars, like, like the Word of God can be like that little thing in the middle where you kind of just focus it in just enough to where you can see, right? And, and that's what it will do. It will reflect in your life. We saw that we're supposed to warn people, right, of, of the imminent danger and, and judgment that's coming. Ezekiel 33.3 3 says, If when he seeth the sword 
come upon the land, he blow the trumpet and warn the people. It needs to do it immediately, not like five minutes later, right? Because there's war coming to the land that the watchman can see afar off, right? And so we're going to look at some details tonight, some more details that Corey didn't necessarily go over, right? And, and we're going to see that we're supposed to watch for danger a little bit closer tonight. We're supposed to live an indebted life to the world as a watchman does to the people they serve on the wall. They have a responsibility to answer questions, as we'll see. And they have a job to change the way they live their everyday life. Their everyday life is a service and a sacrifice to other people around them. So follow along with me as we go into Romans 1. We're going to be in verse 14, and we're going to read through 16. It says, I am a debtor both to the Greeks and to the barbarians, both to the wise and to the unwise. So as much as in me is, I am ready to preach the gospel to you that are at Rome also. For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth to the Jew first and also to the Greek. So let's pray real quick. Let's ask the Lord to open up the scriptures to us and teach us something tonight and motivate us. Father God, thank you so much. God, I, I pray that you open your word, Lord. Um, motivate us to action tonight, God. That, that's always the motive for your word, Lord, is to bring yourself more glory through our lives. Lord, I pray that you use me as a vessel, remove any imperfections from me, Lord, so you can speak clearly tonight to the well. God, I'm excited for the message that you have for us tonight, Lord, and I'm, I'm excited for the direction that the well is going, Lord. You're great, and, and Lord, we bless your name. Um, you're amazing, and, and you deserve all the glory, Lord. We love you. It's in your name I pray. Amen. Amen. All right, so your first point tonight is change our perspective. We have to change our perspective, and we, we need to have the perspective of a watchman. And we get that from that first verse. It says, I am a debtor both to the Greeks and to the barbarians, both to the wise and to the unwise. Now, this is how we see people, not necessarily like our point of view, okay? And, and the best illustration I, I could come up with this was that of like a hunter in a deer stand, right? You, you have the perspective from a high point, Right? You have a limited perspective through the window, and you have low lighting, so it's hard to see. Right? But the perspective we're actually going to be talking about is more of the perspective of how you view the animal itself. It, it's going to provide you food. Right? It's going to end its life soon, right? hopefully for most hunters, I guess. Right? And, and the animal is actually helpless to you, right? Maybe not to its current situation, but it is to you in, in the point of view that you have of it. And this may offer some sadness and some sympathy, but this is the type of perspective I want us to take on as we kind of go through this passage tonight as, as we use that to view the world and the lost people of it, right? We're in debt to the world, and we need to have a different perspective of it. The world says what you want, you need. And what you can get, go get, right? But, but see, this offers us, which is your next blank, the problem. This is our problem. See, the Bible contrasts this directly in Ephesians 5.16, right? It says, redeeming the time because the days are evil. And as a watchman, we have to tell and warn of the immediate danger of the impending judgment and of lost people going to hell for all of eternity. 
every minute that passes, we're closer and closer, as Romans 13, 11 tells us, in that knowing the time, that now is high time, awake out of sleep. For now is our salvation nearer than when we believed, right? And this couldn't be farther from the truth, as more, more so than right now. You know, and as, as I was going through this, I like, thought to myself a little bit, as I do off on my little rabbit trails in my office, right? Like, 200 years ago, okay? Like, put yourself 200 years ago. Like, they had the King James Bible. They had the perfect Word of God, as we would consider it today, right? And I wonder if, like, some people, like, kind of just figured out, like, I, I wonder if we have, like, some time under our belt. Like, I wonder if we can just, like, slack off. You know, like, there's still 50, 70, 100 years before the Lord's even going to think about coming back, right? And again, I, I don't think that was necessarily true, but how easy is it for us to do that today? Knowing that the judgment's coming. Like, the judgment could be tomorrow, right? And trust me, I'm preaching to the choir. Listen, I'm, I'm about as lazy as it comes. Um, you know, I, I heard Bill Gates one time say, he always gives the lazy man the job, and I took that and ran with it. You know what I'm saying? You know, I, I try to find the fastest, the easiest, the quickest, you know, and, and definitely the laziest way to get jobs done, right? And so I'm thinking we have a problem, right, in our day and age. We have a problem. And so there has to be a remedy. There has to be a solution. There has to be a way to fix my problem, right? And so I thought to myself, well, the Bible's a mirror, right? And, and it'll show me all my dirty little imperfections that I don't necessarily want to admit. You know, and, and so I, I went to James 1, 22 through 25, and it says, But be ye doers of the word, and not hearers only, deceiving your own selves. For if any be a hearer of the word and, a, and not a doer, he is like unto a man beholding himself, uh, beholding his natural face in a glass, which is just a mirror. For he beholdeth himself, and goeth this his way, and straightway forgetteth what manner of man he was. But whoso looketh into the perfect law of liberty, and continueth therein, he being not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the work, this man shall be blessed in his deeds. In his deed, excuse me. And this is my prayer for real. Man, I don't ever want to stop doing the work of the Lord. You know, I don't want to ever stop getting into his word and enjoying my time with God. And we have to begin to see, right, people the way the Lord sees them, right? As, as he sees us sometimes, you know, don't be a, a hearer only, but be a doer. That's what God desires of us, right? And this is a spiritual problem. This isn't a physical problem, right? We have glasses, we've got contacts, but, you know, none of that's going to actually fix this problem. And so we have to go to where we can find the solution. And that's your next blank, is this is the solution. And the remedy comes from Revelation 3, 16 through 19. It says, So then, because thou art lukewarm, and neither cold nor hot, I will spew thee out of my mouth. Because thou sayest, I am rich, and increased with goods, and have need for nothing of nothing, and knowest not that thou art wretched, and miserable, and poor, and blind, and naked. I counsel thee to buy of me gold tried in the fire, in the fire that thou mayest be rich, and white raiment that thou mayest be clothed, and that the shame of thy nakedness do not appear. And anoint thy eyes with eye salve, that thou mayest see. As many as I love, I rebuke and chasten. Be zealous, therefore, and repent. Now most of you know that this context is our day and age. 
And doesn't it describe us to a T? Man, what do I need? Like, I come home and my wife's got me dinner made every single night. I've got clothes on my back. I've got an awesome job that I get to go to every single day that provides me money so I can sustain the life that I live every day. Every single day. I have no need for anything. I have everything I could ever ask for. Man, we're lukewarm, aren't we? We're not even, like, doing bad stuff. Like, we're not even cold. We're just, like, hanging out, you know? And the remedy has to be asking God for help. And it has to be getting into the book. You guys know this. Ephesians 5, 25 through 26. Husbands, love your wives even as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for it, that he might sanctify and cleanse it with the washing of the water by the word. We have to wash our minds. And we have to apply the eye salve to our eyes and, and look through the Bible and, and look through prayer towards the world. You know, and this is reminding me, we had that, that missions conference a few weeks ago. And I was thinking of Andrew Ong. Dude, what a faithful brother. Man, what a faithful guy. Seriously, that dude loves God. And, it, and it's really like awe-inspiring when you can tell like the Lord's really changed somebody's life, you know? And at the conference, he said something that kind of hit me different. And I didn't really think about it until a few days ago. And I was thinking, you know, he showed us that picture, if you were there, showed a picture of about 100 Vietnamese people in the middle of a city. And he, and he looked up at the picture, and he was like, man, look at all those souls. And I was like, whoa. Like, not even lost people or saved people. Like, he didn't know. But all he saw was souls. You know? He spoke as if he needed to give them something and urgently. He, he spoke as if he had an agenda to get to Vietnam, right? Do we see people like Andrew sees the Vietnamese people? Do we see people like Matt sees people in Columbus? You know, do we see people like Kale sees people in Hungary? Do we see people as souls and not lost or saved? It's just an interesting thought that I had, and I wanted to share it with you guys. And so... Where did this idea of, of debts and debtors come from, right? And, and it comes from that prayer that the Lord tells us to model after, right? In Matthew 6, 12, it says, And forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Man, we got to be a generation that lives in debt. And, and listen, don't tell me, Dave Ramsey. <laughs> don't tell me, brother. i got some kind of debt that I can't pay off. You know what I'm saying? Either we owe Christ the satisfaction of giving him the rest of our lives, or we owe the lost world the gospel. And that's the two choices. That's about as simple as it can come. You know, Paul put it kind of similarly for us as saved people in 1 Corinthians 9.16, For though I preach the gospel, I have nothing to glory of. For necessity is laid upon me. Yea, woe is unto me if I preach not the gospel. Paul saw lost people for what they really were. They're on a fast track to be separated from God forever. And now, unfortunately, right, we didn't get saved, and, and all of a sudden we're like these super Christians, right? Which I, I wish it was that way. But it's a long, hard battle. And so this takes us to our next point, right? We're called to prepare. We have to prepare. And Romans 1.15 kind of tells us something about this, right? It says, So as much as in me is, I am ready to preach the gospel to you that are in Rome also. And by the time we see this letter from Paul... He, it, it, he explains, you know, just one verse previous that he's been trying to come to Rome, 
right? Romans 1.13, Now I would not have you ignorant, brethren, that oftentimes I purposed to come to you, but was let hitherto, that I might have some fruit among you also, even among other Gentiles. Now you could argue, you know, situations happen, right? And, and things come up, you know, that you can't control. Um, but maybe the Lord didn't feel like Paul was ready to go to Rome. Maybe he wasn't prepared enough to give the Romans what they actually needed, right? And so my next point that I have there for you is, is the need to study. we got to get to studying, right? He was in preparation to give answers to the Romans and to the Gentiles of, the, of, of Rome, right? And, and the answer being the gospel and, and to show up and act as a shepherd to the saved people. Right? And so we got to follow this model right into 2 Timothy 2.15, right? Study to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth, right? You guys know that. It's one of the most popular verses in our church, if not all of the Bible. But we have to look around and know the times and the seasons that we also live in, right? And when I gave my life to the Lord, when I gave Him my life, and, and, and asked and begged for salvation. There was a transaction that happened, right? I agreed to a few things that I might not necessarily have known at the time, but I definitely did, right? I offered my soul for sanctification. I offered my time for preparation. And I offered my resources and the rest of my time for soul winning for the rest of my life. And what an honor. And you know, in the last five years, I, I've learned a few things. I have. I'm pretty proud of it. You know, I've learned that the Browns are just absolutely insane for giving some guy $230 million to throw a football. Maybe. Okay, I learned that the Bills signed one of the best defensive linemen in the entire league and are paying him $51 million in three years. I can tell you why you should or should not invest in certain stocks and how it's going to benefit you in the long run. But then I sat back and I was like, man, when my 16-year-old sister calls me and she gets home from church on a Wednesday and she says, hey, what does the fear of the Lord look like in my life? Do I have an answer? When my friend calls me and says, hey, what happens to our body and our soul when we die? Do I have an answer? When someone asks why I gave up drinking and partying every night to study and to follow rules, do I have an answer to these life questions? These real life questions? Have I prepared for this stuff? If you're in public and you ask somebody how to get saved, and they said, no, how do I get saved? Do you know the gospel? Do you know that Romans 3.23 says, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God? Romans 6.23 says, for the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ, our Lord. <clears throat> and they said, no, I didn't. How do I get this eternal life? Do you know to go to Romans 10, 9? That if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus Christ and believe in thine heart that God raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. Do you know that stuff? Have you memorized these three verses? Three verses, guys. Three. And, and that's not even all of Romans Road, mind you. That's literally if somebody like corners you in an elevator and it's like, how do I get saved? That's, that's what you say before you hit floor one. You know what I'm saying? 
Man, are you willing to prepare to have an answer for every man like Colossians 4, 5, and 1 Peter 3, 5 say? Go look those up. Check them out. But you know, Zach, gosh, I, I just don't read very well. You know, I don't, I haven't really been one for memorizing, you know, it, it's a little difficult. You know, I, gosh, Zach, I, I just get up early for work and, man, I just, I can't even focus on God's word. Like, what's the point? I, I don't, you know, I'll get in it in the afternoon or when I go to bed, right? In the, in the King James, Zach, you, listen, you know, the, the little, like, thousand these and, you know, they, they just confuse me, right? Okay, maybe, maybe. But, but if you're saved, you know that God, you know, chooses who goes to heaven. No, he doesn't. You have to choose. But there are some that say that. There's some people that say that. Can you believe that? They make God out to be a murderer and a liar. Can you defend that? Can you defend your own salvation? Do you know where to go? Can we back up the Lord and His Word? Do we know that 2 Peter 3.9 says, The Lord is not slack concerning His promise, as some men count slackness, but is long-suffering to us word, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. Man. Some people teach other, otherwise, other than that. Can you believe that? If it were up to God, God would have everybody in heaven. I mean, come on. Like, he created us for our worship to him. Why wouldn't he want more people there? But man, praise the Lord, God can't lie. But also, with that, God's given us a free will. And he allows us to make that free will choice to choose him or to choose what the world has. Right? Romans 1.20 says, For the invisible things of him from creation of the world are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even as eternal power and Godhead, so that they are without excuse. Man, and this is one of the most disheartening Bible verses in the entire Bible to me. And, and this leads us to our next blank, the need to do something. Man, we're without excuse, but so is the world. So are lost people. They're without excuse, all of them. Even the people in the middle of the desert that have no idea about anything. About electricity, about you know, guns, cell phones. None of that stuff. They have no clue. They're still without excuse. Lost people are only called to respond to the general revelation that the Lord gives them through His creation. Right? And, and all they need to do is accept that there is a God. So what does that mean for us? Romans 10.14 tells us, How then shall they call upon Him who they have not believed? And how shall they believe in Him whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? We not only should, but we need to have an answer for the lost world. Mark 12, 24 says, And Jesus answered and said unto them, Do ye not therefore err, because ye know not the Scriptures, neither the power of God? Man, let us not be like that group, guys. Let the well not be like that group. Let me, let my family not be like that group. Let's understand the power that the Scripture has. And, and let's understand the power that we possess. So that's your next blank. Understand the power. And this comes from Romans 1.16. For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. 
Man, what a shame it is to see people that walk away from the Lord, right? Man, that stinks. Like, it stinks when you see a brother or sister, like, walk away, and it's like, dude, you had it. You had everything. This verse can be a message in and of itself, um, but we don't have time for that, and, and all God's people said, amen. There you go. You guys are catching on. But on another note, right, we hold power. According to Proverbs 18.21, death and life are in the power of the tongue, and they that love it shall eat the fruit thereof. Man, the tongue's, the tongue's powerful. The tongue's probably one of the most powerful things in the world. We have the key to salvation. We have the key to getting people saved. And all we got to do is speak up. Man, we have the opportunity to speak life into people. And you know what? We have the opportunity to not speak life into people. Sorry. (laughs) Man, God's given us immense power, hasn't he? Amen? God's given us immense power. John 1.12, But as many as received him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name. Man, we go from one of the most disheartening verses in the Bible to one of, most, one of my most favorite verses. And it's a shock I haven't tattooed it on my body yet, for real. You know, but, but sometimes I sit back and I think, like, man, God loves me. God loves me. Almighty God loves me. Holy cow. You know, and, and, and I thought about it like a few months ago. I went to Florida, and I'm sitting with my dad, and, and we did this thing. We went around the room, and we just encouraged each other. And if you haven't done that, do that with your family. It's actually really nice and encouraging to hear why people enjoy being with you. But I, I looked at my dad, and, and I thanked him for all that he had done in my life. My dad has raised me to be hopefully a man of God, and hopefully I, I, I live up to his standard at a minimum, right? And, and I thought to myself, like, man, like, I love hearing my dad say he's proud of me. I love it. I, it just brings me, like, a satisfaction, you know? And, and I thought to myself, man, like, I hope God thinks he's proud of me. I hope God looks at me and he's like, man, that's a servant of me. That Zach dude, he's not ashamed of what I've given him. He's not ashamed of the gospel that I gave to them. He's not ashamed of the relationship that I have with him. Right, 1 Thessalonians 5, 1 through 12. But of the times and the seasons, brethren, ye have no need that I write unto you. For yourselves know perfectly that the day of the Lord so cometh as a thief in the night. We've been given a responsibility to preach with power. If you look around the world, it's, it's literally killing itself. You know, people are going to war, and hardly anybody actually knows why. Like, let's get real. Like, nobody knows what's going on over there. People are crazy. You know, and, and if you ask a person what's going to happen to the world in 100 years, try it sometime. See what they say. It'll blow your mind if they actually think the world's still going to be here. Everybody knows the times and the seasons. It's coming to an end. I would encourage you tonight to go home and pray. 
that the Lord would give you eyes to see. Ask him for the eyes to see the lost world. Ask him to give you eyes to reach the lost world. Give you eyes to read his scripture and understand what's, what's, what you're reading. I would encourage you also to get into your Bible on a consistent and regular basis. Let it change your life. Like I said earlier, get plugged into discipleship. Discipleship is one of those life-changing things that you do that will literally change the course of your life. You know, I, I, I'm going to plug Alec here a little bit. Yeah, sorry. You know, we were, we were sitting at my house, me and Alec Disciple, and, and, you know, I'm just kind of sharing how to study the Bible. You know, and, and Alec had no idea. He left, and, and I told Rachel, like, it's awesome to see somebody that thinks the Bible is cool. And the Bible is cool. Like, the stuff that the Bible, isn't it cool? Amen. Thank you. Dude, we're like opening up the Scripture together and just having a ball, dude, like for three hours. It was awesome. You know, it was cool. Get plugged into discipleship. If you have, get plugged into MTT and LFBI. Learn to be a student and learn to be a minister of God's Word. We owe it to the world and we owe it to Christ. You know, I want to hold up to my dad's standards. I want to hold up to Christ's standards. I want to live every day waking up, seeking somebody who's lost to bring them into the kingdom. I want my hobby to be bringing people into the kingdom. I know a couple of you guys were waiting for it. I'm not going to say it. Go home and meditate on what it means to be a child of God. Let it change the way you see people. Let it change the way you act. Study that phrase in the Bible. It has huge implications. Go home and get into Ezekiel 33. Let it change you. Let it change the way you see people. Begin to understand the power you've been actually given. Man, we have a lot of power. But with power comes a great responsibility, right? That should motivate us enough to do something, at least for the next day or two. Let's pray. Father God, thank you so much for your word. Thank you for the motivation that it gives us, Lord, to, to wake up every day and try to change the world for you, Lord. I, I pray, God, that we find lost souls to bring into your kingdom this week, Lord. Thank you for the way your Bible will open up and for the way it will it'll change us. Um, God, be with us this week. Bring us back next week with huge stories and, and a lot of new visitors, Lord. We love you so much, God, and we ask all these things in your name. Amen.